Black on the Scene is a love letter to Black creators, Black content, and Black voices who are helping to drive change and representation in entertainment. I'm John Gist, here with my lovely co-host, Dee Dee Brown, and we are two industry professionals that have worked on some of the most iconic multicultural film and television campaigns over the years. The Black on the Scene podcast will highlight the many accomplishments of Black folks across film, TV, music, art, literature, and sports that celebrate diverse and nuanced stories which embody our culture. In each episode, we shout out and give flowers to some culture contributors and creators that you know and those you should know for being Black on the scene. Hope you all enjoy this week's conversation. Welcome to Black on the Scene. Didi and I are back with another exciting episode that features one of my favorite, favorite people and amazing publicists. I've known Vanessa Anderson, the owner and president of AMPR Group for the last few years, working with her on universal picture films like Little and The Photograph. On those two films, we globe-trotted across the country on jets together, attended Sundance, BeautyCon, and had so many laughs in between. She is a woman who I immensely respect and have so much admiration for, and I'm so personally thrilled to have her on the show today. John, I also worked with you two on those movies, but mostly I've gotten to work with Vanessa more closely over the past two and a half years, working with a few of her rock star clients like Marseille Martin for Paw Patrol, Tika Sumter for Sonic 2, and the Golden Globe winner... Andra Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday. So before launching her entertainment public relations company in 2010, Vanessa worked in both fashion and music public relations. Over the years, she has worked closely with a wide range of clients across celebrity, musician, content creators, athletes, influencers, propelling them to the national and international stage. Her current roster includes the leading forces and names across all of entertainment. What I love most about Vanessa is her love for entertainment and PR is fueled by her commitment and dedication to uplift and share the voices and stories of people of color. Welcome to Black on the Scene, Vanessa. We are so happy to have you on here today. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. First of all, I can't believe I have not seen you in person since <laughs> Sundance in 2020, like pre-pandemic. Like, it's been way too long. No. We, we, yes, it has been that long. We got to do dinner. We got to do drinks. We got to do... I got oh some catch up to do God. with you. Um, but how are you doing today? How, how's everything going to Vanessa? I'm good. I'm good. It is a typical publicist day which means it's a hot mess and I didn't anticipate any of the things that are happening today but here we are <laughs> this is a nice one for you I'm, I'm grateful to take some time out of the day to connect with friends and talk about what I've dedicated I don't know the past 13 years of my life to so I mean well let's start at the beginning then so take us back to little Vanessa growing up as yeah. an Afro-Latina in South LA. Who was she? What was she dreaming of doing? Yeah. 
Little Vanessa uh, was born in South LA. Like you mentioned, my mom is uh, from El Salvador. She immigrated to the States in the late 80s, or excuse me, in the late 70s. Um, And then my dad is Black from the South. Uh, But I grew up with my grandparents, my dad's parents. So um, I always say that I had a very a black LA experience, which I'm sure at some point we'll talk about, but I think has really informed a lot of the work that I do as a publicist, um, specifically around certain talent and their projects. Um, But little Vanessa was precocious. Um, She didn't grow up with a lot of other kids. So I didn't have cousins or, um, you know, I was the only kid on my block, uh, you know, so I spent a lot of time uh, reading. I was a massive reader. I would read, oh my God, five or six books a week. I was like, I just, I was like ravenous for, for, for books. Um, So I was an avid reader. I spent a lot of time, obviously, you know, by myself, um, big imagination, you know, creating whole soap operas from my Barbies and, and whatnot. Um, and then, you know, I think my grandmother recognized pretty early, uh, that I was maybe, you know, pretty smart and she really wanted to, um, how would, how would I say it? I want to honor what she did. She said, okay, this girl's really smart. I want to put her in programs. I want to give her the resources so that she can be her best self. Um, and that's really what she did. And I was able to go to an all girls school in Brentwood. Um, you know, one of five black girls, you know how that goes, um, with the private school life, which was honestly one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I think really set the foundation for this version of Vanessa that, that I, that I am, um, really found my voice, uh, became even more, I think hyper aware of my blackness or my otherness. Uh, And I think even though it took me a while, that experience allowed me to love my blackness as opposed to trying to fit in, trying to assimilate. I became super proud of my, you know, my mixed heritage and being black and being Latina. So after that, I, Went out to New York uh, for college and then came back to L.A. afterwards. Uh, unfortunately, I graduated when the recession hit. I don't know if you guys remember this. It's like 2007, 2008, when we thought that was the worst thing that could ever happen. <laughs> that that was the worst thing that could happen to us when people were like losing their homes, which was terrible, by the way. And like, you know, it was hard to find jobs. God, we could have never anticipated COVID or Trump or many of the other things. But um, yeah, I graduated in 2007. I could not find a job at all, like at all. Uh, And I was very uh, confused and irritated and annoyed because I had spent all this money on this Ivy League, you know, education in New York, and then couldn't find a job to pay off these student loans. Um, But I did end up pivoting I actually went to to college to be a high school history teacher. I thought that I was going to, people are always like, girl, what? Um, I thought that I was going to make black and brown kids love who they were and what they came from. Um, And I felt like history 
was something that people didn't gravitate towards or really care about, or they felt like it was like old and it didn't apply to them. Um, but the truth is that unfortunately a lot of history is cyclical and trends come around, you know, uh, uh, political, uh, what would be the word? Like, um, you know, just, just area things just circle back around, you know, like things that we thought our grandparents maybe dealt with back in like the sixties, they've come back around. It's just, it's, it's an interest. History is an interesting phenom for me. Um, and I wanted to make black kids and, and Latino kids love it. Um, and love who, who they were and where they came from. Couldn't find a job doing that. So I became a first grade teacher, which was crazy. And I just, I loved the kids so much, you know, but I was really struggling because here I'd gone from, you know, at Columbia and Barnard, I was having these like high level philosophical conversations with people about, you know, urban planning and how we were going to help people. And, you know, we were going to solve this crisis. And then I was like surrounded by 30 people who did know how to read. Right. And I was like, this is too much for me. Like it was, it was too much of a contrast. And I was like, you know what, I got to find something else. There's got to be something else that is in alignment with where I'm at in my life. And will allow me to grow, but also will allow me to like use the skills that I already have. And like, you know, I always considered myself to be a bit charismatic and I could get along with most people. Um, and I was like, there has to be a career where I could use that to my advantage. And I was grateful enough to reach out to a family friend who worked in the business and she suggested that I be a publicist. And at the time, I had no idea what that was. I didn't even know that that was a career that like existed. Uh, and she was like, read these books, talk to these people, call me back. I read the books. I talked to the people. And I was like, uh, this is my life. I need to do this immediately. Help me, please. Like, I'd never felt, and I think even to this day, I've never felt more sure about a decision. I've never felt like something was presented to me that spoke to like the core of who I am uh, as much as that moment. So yeah, I got into PR. She helped me get a job working at like an eco-friendly green initiatives agency. And this is in like 2007, 2008. And back then, you know, uh, when you thought about, or when you think about, um, eco-friendly and green initiatives now that's like a huge industry back then it wasn't like people were like still figuring how to sort their recycling back then um and I just didn't have a passion for it but I was grateful because it taught me the basics of how do you do a pitch you know how do you write an email how do you do this how do you research people so I learned all the fundamentals that a lot of people learn in college um, I didn't have that experience, so I learned a lot in that first job. So I'm really grateful for that experience, but I just didn't love the what we were talking about or what we were working on. Um, so I made a pivot into fashion, worked in fashion for a couple years. And then when our offices in LA closed, I said, okay, so what are you going to do now? Uh, and I've always been really good. And I think my grandmother 
um, sort of taught this to me and not so much in like, this is how you do it. But I saw her do this a lot with, for herself was I've always been really good about checking in with myself and just like, are you happy? Are you good? Is what you're doing, you know, in alignment? Do you feel secure? Um, do you have a nagging feeling about something that maybe you need to address? Uh, I've always been really, really good about that. And I, when, when the opportunity, I saw it as an opportunity. I think my entire, all my friends and family were like, girl, you're about to be laid off. Um, I was like, I know, but there has to be, there has to be an opportunity in here for me. And ultimately it was the opportunity for me to question where I was in my life and what I wanted to do next. And, you know, I said, okay, I really want to do music. Um, but I didn't want to go into the label system and, you know, I would have been like this little indie, this random, random indie girl trying to do music. Um, and I did it for like three months. I, I, so back up, I decided to start my own company. I said, you know what? You're really smart. You don't, you've never taken a business class in your life, but you'll figure it out. You figured out how to, how to get into PR and how to make this work. Um, and I bet it on myself and I started the company. My, my really close friend, she helped me start my LLC on legal zoom. Um, and my grandmother, before she passed, had left me some money and I used that to sort of survive for the first two years that I, you know, launched the company. But in that process, in those first two years, I was like, okay, who do you want to work on? What kind of acts, you know, what do you want to align yourself with? And I thought it was going to be music. And um, I quickly learned that the indie life for a music publicist is really, really hard. Uh, and I think it was when I started to get paid in cash, which I was grateful for, but it was like laced with weed crumbs. I was like, mm, I don't know if this is what my grandmother saw for me. So I was like, maybe we need to make a pivot, sis. Um, and that's when I said, okay. If I'm not going to work in music, which is what I, you know, had always been really passionate about, like, what are you going to work in? Like, what industry are you going to focus on? And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm like a year into this job. No one knows who I am. No one is going to hire me or pay me for real. I might as well, like, look to an industry or a field that is emerging. And at the time, what was... The, you know, getting ready to be, we could kind of see that this was going to be the new space was the internet and more specifically people who were making content for the web. In 2000, this is now like 2011. Um, and it's hard to think because now we can't imagine life without people creating content on YouTube or the internet or, you know, all these apps have launched since then. But at the time, these things, they didn't exist. And I randomly uh, had a young woman who was working, kind of helping me, working a strong work, you know, helping me at the time. Um, she was like, I mean, Vanessa. Go ahead, go ahead. She was great. She was great. I just wasn't paying her. So, you know, it was conditional. Um, 
but uh, she she introduced me to Issa and what Issa was doing on the internet. And again, this is 2011. And I was like, what? I was like, so it's like a show, but on the internet? I don't understand this. Um, and yeah, um, her and I got together and decided to work together and partner. Um, and that was, I think we became sort of like official in 2012. I met her like the end of 2011. Yeah. And ever since then, you know, things have just skyrocketed. We definitely took some turns. Lord knows we took some pivots, um, some that I wanted, some that I didn't. Um, but you know, life is about the ebb and the flow and being able to, to make it work no matter how things kind of go. Um, yeah. And now, so it's 10 years on Issa's, you know, working with Issa, but I think I'm what, 12, 12, 13 years since I launched the company. So. First of all, this is an amazing story. I had like, I do like maybe 20% of all of this, Vanessa, (laughs) and I feel slighted about this. Um, First, and second of all, shout out to your grandmother, who seems like the most amazing person, God rest her soul. Like she was, you literally are where you are because of what she instilled in you. So I definitely want to give the shout out to her. Yeah, Um, she, it's funny because, um, you know, when she passed, I was a senior in high school and... She was my biggest cheerleader, supporter, you know, all the things. And she was really um, pushing for me to leave California to go to school. And I was very hesitant. You know, she was, my grandparents were older uh, and they were my parents, right? And I just felt, I didn't, I didn't feel good about leaving them and, um, you know, just concerned about what could, what could happen. And you know, she was like, no, you need to go. You need to go. You need to grow up quick. You need to like learn how to be a woman, you know, learn how to navigate the world, learn how to just be your own person ASAP. And I think, you know, she died January uh, of my senior year and she ultimately, her passing ultimately, I think is the reason why I went away for school. Uh, because I think she, because she wasn't here and she wasn't, you know, she had been sick up until her death. Um, and I think if she had been alive and was sick, I would have stayed, uh, and her passing and knowing that her wish for me was to leave. Uh, I was like, I have to honor that. Right. I have to honor her wish for me in that way. And then, you know, there's been so many moments I, I mean, I can't even count. There's been so many moments along my life where I'm like, oh, okay, sis, I hear you. I see you. Okay, I got it. I know you did that for me. You opened that door. You closed that door. Um, You know, you put this person in my life. You made this opportunity much easier than maybe it should have been um, for me. Uh, And then, you know, obviously her passing gave me a little bit of money, which I used to start the company. You know, her her own practice of self care and checking in with herself is something that um, I carry with me and I still do daily and, you know, as often as I can. Um, and, you know, her birthday is four days from mine. It's, we're four days apart. 
and the older I get, I, I realize why she was the way that she was in some instances, because I am becoming that girl. And it makes me love her and appreciate her so much more. And to this day, when I started the company, and even now when we make um, decisions on what clients we want to work with and whatnot, I always say, uh, when I was little, my grandmother used to go to a beauty salon called ABC 123 Beauty. It's on Pico and like Cloverdale or something. Uh, Curson, Curson and Pico, uh, Mid-City. And ABC 123. And, you know, I would go with her to the salon. And, you know, they have the magazines. You know, Black Women's Salon, the magazines and the TV. And the women are talking. And they're giving each other the latest news and gossip and whatnot. And I always said that if I had a client who was in a magazine on the cover inside or popped up on the TV screen, my I needed to know that my grandmother would be proud to say, oh, my grandbaby works with her. Oh, my grandbaby made that happen. If she couldn't say that, if I didn't feel like she was going to say that, I didn't work with them. And that's a practice that I use to this day. Like when I'm conflicted on a client, like, oh, do I want to work on this account? Um, I always say, what would Nettie say? You know, she really is like my North Star for all business decisions. Uh, you know, even when I'm hiring people, you know, I'll be like, well, oh, my grandma like this person. <laughs> um, because I just, she's just, you know, even though she's not physically here anymore, she's just, you know, omnipresent. She's always around. Um, so I appreciate you shouting, shouting her out because she really, truly is like the motivation. She's the centerpiece, the foundation of, of me and this business. I got to tell you, first of all, Nettie sounds like your guardian angel. Of course, you said your North Star, your best friend. And it's yeah. just so amazing because you did lose her at such a young age that you were able to actually leave school, navigate crazy New York, crazy Columbia. And I sh there's not a ton of us at Columbia, maybe more yeah. now than yeah. there was back then. And I'm curious to know what even gave her that backbone and fortitude. She's from the South. Was she an entrepreneur growing up or? No, no, she wasn't. Um, but I always felt like my grandmother wasn't able to reach her full potential in life, largely because she was from the South and because of what was acceptable for women at the time. Um, I think that my grandmother, she always had plans of like traveling the world. She always wanted to do that. She ended up having my dad uh, really young in life, you know, while she was in college and she didn't get to finish school. And I think her life just took a bit of a detour um, and I think in the end, she was happy with her life. And I think that, you know, uh, I think that she got a second chance to to parent with me. Um, so I think, you know, some of the um, missteps that maybe she made with my father, she was able to kind of correct with me. Um, but no, I just think that I she just didn't, she knew that there was a life bigger than you know, Homewood, Alabama, which is like a very small town in Birmingham. She knew that there was- I'm from Alabama. I know exactly where that is. I'm from Montgomery, Alabama. And Homewood is, as you said, very close to uh, Birmingham, yeah. uh, very close to Birmingham. 
Oh, so you get it, right? Like, and she knew. Oh, I get it. She knew that there was more. And in the same way that she relocated, you know, her and my grandfather moved to LA at her, I don't even want to say suggestion, at her insistence. Um, because she was like, I want a better life for my black son, right? I didn't want, she didn't want him to grow up in the in the South. Um, and then I think coming here and, you know, they lived in like a little one bedroom apartment, the three of them when they came here. And then, you know, within five or six years, they purchased a home. And I think that she just was like, I know that if you do the work, the, the things will come, the blessings will come, the opportunities will come. Um, and I think that that was something that she unintentionally kind of in, instilled in me. She never said, you know, you should be great. You should better yourself. You should go to college. Some things you just, I think in some black households, like you're doing this, this isn't optional. Um, but I, she never pressured me to, you know, it was never like, you need to get a job so you can make a lot of money. You need to do X, Y, and Z. She just was like, be your best self. Whatever that is, be great at it. Um, I, I think looking back, she probably thought I was going to be a writer because I read so much. But um, yeah, she just was like very, very rare and very special. And I always, I get very upset sometimes because I... Um, you know, the older you get, the less you remember of, you know, when you were little. And I can't recall things as quickly anymore, or you know, just moments with her. Um, But I do think that I do remember as a teenager, she would say things to me that I was like, what? And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's what you were talking about. That's what you were talking about. You know, like, she would say little things about friendships and boys and, you know, money. And, and I was like, I don't know what you are talking about, <laughs> you know, but you can't be disrespectful. But I'd be like, girl, what? Um, and now as an adult, I'm like, oh, mm, got it. Got it, sis. She yeah. was giving you the the tools of life that you weren't necessarily, you didn't, you didn't have them ready to pull out. But when things are starting to happen in your life, college, new city, starting a new business, all the things and you started they start they started to pull out and you yeah. started to use them yeah. and i want to talk to you about that like you you know you taking the leap into this world of pr that you weren't as familiar with right it wasn't comfortable it wasn't something you knew a lot about mm-hmm. but you did it and now you know 10 11 12 13 years later you you've done it so well you are this shiny gold black female publicist which we know there's not a lot of y'all out there, but like, let's talk about those hurdles, right? Like starting this, starting, starting your own company, a starting your own company as a black woman in the industry that you were not necessarily uh, an expert in and building your clientele from that. Like, let's talk about what those kind of, what challenges you kind of faced through there and and kind of maybe what your, how your gremlin was in the back of your head, kind of giving you, you know, the hope and the encouragement that you needed to keep pushing through. Yeah, I mean, who, Lord, there's not enough time to talk about the challenges, okay? Like, you know, like I mentioned, and and I'm glad that you also kind of differentiated between being a business owner, which is one sort of set of challenges, and then being a publicist and trying to create a business as a publicist, right? And getting the clients and, and all of that. 
Um, and now I would you have say, two full-time jobs. Ma'am, two yes. full, and, and that is actually my biggest challenge currently because now as I'm scaling the business, um, that duality becomes less sustainable. Uh, so I'm in a new crossroads in my company and in my life in terms of what are we doing here, right? Like, what are we going to spend 70% of the day on? And what are we going to spend 30% of the day on? So, um, I, but, but I'll say, you know, on the business side, some of my initial challenges were definitely, how do you run a business? How do you do the taxes? What's the difference between an LLC and, a, and an, uh, you know, an S-corp? Um, oh, I got to pay. Wait, so when they pay me, I'm supposed to set money aside so that I can pay that back to the government at the end of the year? Like, these were all things that were very unfamiliar for me, to me because I, I, you know, being transparent wasn't great with money before. So I did my taxes, but I was like, all right, other than that, like I'm out here and, you know, being really smart with my money, being able to save. Um, also, you know, and tied to the business, but kind of tied to the publicist side, not knowing my worth. What do I charge? Right. So I definitely undercharged for many, 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 many years. So shout out to everyone who got me early because those rates were a joke. Okay, a joke. Um, So, you know, that and then I think on the on the PR side, I think, you know, sort of like the sort of day to day functions of the job. Because I didn't go to school for it, uh, I was missing a lot of the fundamentals. And I learned a lot when I worked for uh, Donna, who was the first agency I worked at. When I worked for her, she taught me so much. Um, But some of the more um, foundational tools that a lot of other publicists have, I just didn't have. Um, You know, I was a great writer, but there's a specific way to write as a publicist. And those kind of skills I had to learn over time. And I think the other thing that was probably um, one of my biggest challenges, uh, which really informs a lot of the work that I do now, is that I was desperate for a mentor. I was like, I need to find someone who looks like me, who works in the field so that I can ask not only the things that I'm too embarrassed to say that I don't know, but they can also help me. How do I get more clients? How do I put myself out there? You know, how do I build relationships? And I could not find anyone who was interested or had the bandwidth. Um, And in addition to there just not being a lot, right? Like on the music side, there's there's way more a black publicist, black female publicist. On the TV and film side, it's really lacking. I'm sure you guys know that from your experience um, oh, in the business. <laughs> there's there's so few that, and there's even, and the ones that are there, a lot of them work within the studio system. So, right? Like, like you do, like you guys, right? Like they work kind of within the studio system. So then- when you are trying to be an indie and represent talent, (laughs) we don't exist. 
And the few people that did, the few women that did, you know, were just not interested in, um, you know, they just weren't interested in mentoring me. And I had to emotionally get over that um, because that was really confusing for me. Uh, Because to me, right, like, I'm like, but I'm going to be great. So, like, I, do you not see how, do you not see the greatness that I see in myself? And, like, I am begging for help. Like, I am begging you. Like, I just want to soak up what you have and what you know. Um, So that was really hard for me. But, you know, I I was like, okay, I'm going to have to kind of figure it out by myself. And I was lucky enough to have a girlfriend who worked in radio. uh, And she brought me along, her and I, you know, we had a little chat and I said, look, whenever you go to stuff, I want to be your plus one. Uh, I'll pay for gas or I'll, you know, take you to a aroma cafe after or whatever. But like, please let me just roll with you. And she did. And I gave myself, you know, a task every time we went out. Okay. You're going to meet 20 people. You're going to meet 10 people. You're going to connect with, you know, whoever it is. If I knew, we were going to, you know, a show premiere. I want to meet who who's the publicist on the show? Who's the EP on the show? You know, who's the rep that represents the big talent on the show? Like I just I gave myself a list of tasks for every event and that was probably one of the most important um skills or, you know, one of the most important things that I did because it immediately grew my network, you know, and I, back then I was a really great follow upper. So I would send the emails, make the calls, do the things, um, you know, and that's how I built a lot of relationships that I still have, you know, I would go to events and then I'd see the the press, right. I'd see the media on the press line. And when the red carpet was over, I'd go up to them and be like, Hey, I'm Vanessa Anderson. I have this company. Um, you know, I'd love to get your contact information. That's how even now I know so many writers and, you know, photographers and editors, you know, because they were just the little random host or the little random producer at that little event. And you, I mean, we all know, you know, people eventually, you know, that person becomes whatever. And now you have a great relationship with them that started 10 years ago because you didn't treat them like shit. Um so yeah, I just I, I I don't know. I think maybe part of part of it was, you know, in referencing my grandmother, I didn't want to let her down. Um, I've always felt like, you know, the spirit guides you, and you know, you have your angels around you, and you know, I've I I even to this day I talk to her and I say, oh girl, I need your help. Um, <laughs> You know, and and I, you know, those days you're feeling down, you just say, okay, you got it. You can figure it out. Um, I also, at that time, back then, I gave myself two years. So I started the company in November 2010, legally, at least on paper. Um, And I said, in two years, you need to be able to, like, live a grown woman's life, right? Like, you're having, you can buy real food. You're not eating ramen anymore. You can, like... (laughs) go to the movies with your friends. You could maybe do like a weekend in Palm Springs. Like, you know, you could have a life. And 
if I couldn't do that at the end of the two years, I would just go back and get a right, you know, a regular job. I would go into some, you know, I, at that point I was like, I could probably get like a coordinator position at an agency or, you know, in a at Warner brothers or wherever. Um, and I think giving myself that deadline made me work really hard. So I was just like, I don't want to work for somebody else. So you got to figure this shit out. You got two years to get it together. Um, and yeah, that's luckily I was able to do it. Um, and a lot of that I think is because I was able to meet Issa, which was honestly towards the end of my two year mark. Uh, but because I was able to meet her, I think that that something about her, which I think we all can see and identify now, but there was something about her that made me feel like, oh, this is different. This is, there's something special here. Let me really work on this. Yeah. Well, that is super evident because you all have just done some amazing things together. And I I just, you, I'm going to call you guys the dynamic duo because (laughs) it is set the precedent for, I think, a, a lot of when we look at talent publicists, what they're a, able to accomplish, what a partnership. And I would even say you, she's not just your client. You guys are partners on some really amazing yeah. black printing initiatives. And it's as people who have worked from the studio system with you guys, it's, it's really amazing to see. And I'm curious, there's so many questions we could ask you, but we know we only have you for a little bit, little bit of time, but I am curious to know, you've got this amazing roster of talent. You're mm-hmm. running this business. What's the thing about working with celebrity talent, high profile talent that people don't know you wish you knew that you could just share a good, bad, and, and and otherwise. It's just, I think people glamorize what you do, what we do, and they have no real sense of the nitty gritty. <laughs> yeah, I think if there's something that I've learned that I didn't realize going into it, it's that um, I think I always knew that it was going to be a lot of work. Uh, I don't think I realized that a lot of the work that you do with the client has nothing to do with the work. A lot of it is the, not a thing. <laughs> nothing to do with the actual project or album or TV show or, you know, movie. A lot of the work that I do, um, and it's different for every client, right? But a lot of it is centered around confidence building. Um, a lot of it is centered around the management of the team, the management of family, the management of friends. Uh, it's, you know, you represent on the more forward facing side, this one person, but the truth is that you're really working with, 10 people, you know, sometimes more than that. Um, and you, preach, when you preach, preach. <laughs> and when you sign up for a client, you sign up for everybody on that team. And, um, you know, I think that that is the part that 
I didn't anticipate or I didn't really think about it um, because, you know, also on the flip side, sometimes the relationships with those people, the agents, the managers, the lawyers, the assistants are more crucial to you staying with that talent than the relationship that you have directly with the talent, right? Because depending on when and how somebody came onto a team, you know, the closest person on the team might randomly be the lawyer. And if you have a, um, a, a bit of some friction with the lawyer, uh, you can set yourself up to be replaced, right? Um, so you really have to understand people <laughs> and you need to be really hyper aware of your talent's relationship to all of these people, right? And I think that that's been the biggest lesson for me. It's also really informed the types of relationships I require me to be able to have with the talent, right? Because I don't believe in the, oh, you don't talk to the talent, you only talk to the manager. No, I'm not doing that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of managers and a lot of teams who don't really want you to have access to the talent. I can't do my job if I can't talk to my talent, right? Um, and also too, I'm not interested in you poisoning the well uh, and me not being able to have direct contact. So you, lo- it's it's a very oh, it's a lot of it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of people. Uh, but I think that probably is the most the most crucial part, or the most one of the more important things I learned is that it's bigger than the one person. It's really the team, and that also you spend a lot of time. You know, no, you look great. No, nobody can see that. Let's practice these talking points. You sound great. Yeah, you're you're going to say the same answer twenty times in this junket because everyone's asking the same question, and that's okay. And you don't sound dumb. You look fantastic. I'll hold your hand. Um, you know, I'll, oh, okay. Also, I'm security. Oh, you don't want to talk to that person? That's, okay, now I'm, like, you do it all. You really do it all. If you're doing it the way that we like to do it at my agency, you're really wearing a lot of hats. Oh, you like this type of tampon? Great, let me have that in my little kit for you. Like, you really have to get that granular sometimes depending on the client right like oh you only like sugar-free gum bet okay like if you want to do it at, at this level you really have to every little detail is is important and crucial it's not just looking cute on a red carpet taking some pictures and being First at a of all, that's the... <laughs> right <First of> all, <laughs> i'm because i'm tired by the time <laughs> But are you the thing that I will say about you, Vanessa, is we can tell that you have an an older school mentality. The way we were we came up, and you you and John are still very young. Me not so much. But the way that I came up was it is not about you. You are not taking photos. This is not about you on the car. You know, you on the feet, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not shading the new publicist no. at all. I can just tell that there's a certain level of reverence that you have for the old school way of doing it if well, you will. yes 
And I think that I've always maintained that on every talent team, there's only one star and it's not me. It's never me, right? I am here in service to the client. I am here to do my part and to do it at the highest level that I can so that this person can get casted in the next big thing so they can get the deal, the brand deal, so we can get the covers, so we can, you know, so this person can be an inspiration for other people. It is not about me, right? And I think that me um, playing the back and setting up a boundary for myself is what has proven to be one of my greatest assets because talent shouldn't have to feel like they have to compete with me on the carpet. Now, I'm not going to look crazy, but I'm not showing up in head-to-toe Versace. Like, it's... Because it's not about me, right? Like, I am here to work. This This is a career and this is a job. I'm not trying to be an influencer... I'm not, you know, I, you know, my, to my family and my friends dismay, they'll be like, oh, send us a picture, send us pictures from the whatever Oscars. I'll be like, oh, uh, all my pictures are on the carpet of the talent. I'll be like, was I supposed to take a picture of myself? Like, I'm not good about that. And I, because that wasn't how I was programmed. Um, And then I, to the mentor problem or question or issue that I mentioned earlier, Later in my career, I did get an opportunity to find mentorship, you know, with two women, uh, one who worked at Warner Brothers, Tammy Gallahue, and then who's now at Amazon, and Yvette Noel Shore, who is Beyonce's publicist, and Kelly, and many others, um, Chloe and Hallie. And, you know, she's a little bit older, and she is, to me, the blueprint in a lot of ways of how to conduct yourself as a publicist and how to navigate the industry, you know, and be able to still do this job and do it with kindness and and treat people well. Um, Because that is not the reputation that publicists have. We have a terrible reputation typically. Uh, And, you know, she, to your point, is part of that old school way of doing the job, which is the client is the star. You do your part. You fix the hair, you fix the dress, you make sure the things are perfect, and then you get out of the way, right? Um, and I like that because I like to have a regular life. I want to be like, okay, girl, see you later, <laughs> and then I'm, you know, I'm off to wherever with my girlfriends. So yeah, I, I, I like doing the job that way. It's it's great. It's great. And, and, and you and you and you also just care about your clients, oh my you God. know, well-being. Like it's not just like again, it's, it's not transactional with you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're like, I'm not gonna put my client out there with with egg in their face looking crazy. I know yeah. me and you've had many conversations about Issa Marseille when we were working in those movie campaigns. And it's like you you just like, I wanna go with the best approach and let's talk it through. And let me let me give you the reason why I'm telling you no. Is that just a no because it's a no? Yeah. It's a no because of XYZ. And I always just appreciated appreciated that about you because you know, again, publicists like to your point have this rap about they just they're difficult, they're challenging. <laughs> they say no to everything, they're not on our team anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh-huh. that. But it's uh-huh. like you you go that extra step, you're like, okay, I get I get what y'all are trying to do, but let me let's let's talk about it. Let's let's strategize about it. 
And I think that just, yeah. again, speaks to your character, who you are, just as a Thank publicist. Thank you. Yeah. Well, because the, at the end of the day, like, you know, when you're working with a network or a studio publicist or someone in marketing, you know, you guys on your side are, the focus is the movie. And you're like, I we got to promote this movie and we got to do all the things for this movie. And you're not wrong. And I can appreciate the position that you're in. On my side, though, this is one project of many things that could be happening this year, this month. Uh, you know, and I, I really only ideally, ideally like to sign clients that I'm going to be with for a long time, right? Because I like to create a plan and a strategy for a client that is five years, 10 years, 20 years, because it starts now, right? It starts with your movie. So this is where we start to lay the foundation. I think, I think Marseille is a great example of that, right? Where I got Marseille at 13 um, and she was on Blackish and we were getting ready to do Little. And yes, Little was important. And that was obviously, you know, made her the youngest executive producer in Hollywood and all these things. But she was 13. That is the beginning of a much, 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 much bigger campaign for her and plan and strategy for her. So while you're thinking about this movie, I'm thinking about her life. I'm thinking about her career. So I owe you the the conversation of this is why I'm I'm gonna say no. I'm I'm saying no, but this is why. And ideally, you know, whoever my counterpart is can understand my position. Um, you know, but sometimes, yeah, like sometimes it's gonna be a no. And sorry, bruh. Like, you know, but but it's because as a rep, as a personal rep, we're thinking much bigger you know, than that one project. So you guys might say, oh, we really need her on the cover of, I don't know, L, right? And your movie comes out in April, but I have, and she's a supporting actress, let's just say on your film, but she's about to be the lead actress on this other film that comes out in December. I appreciate the L opportunity, but I need to hold that for when it makes more sense for the client. So it's really just having honest and open conversations and being respectful, being respectful. You know, we can, we can all do the job and still like each other at the end. <laughs> I tell you what, I will say this, just the personal experience of working with Marseille on Par Patrol and you, like not only did sh- you guys said yes to so much, like the stuff you said no to having this conversation with you makes total sense. And, and, and that opportunity for her to do like the entertainment tonight co-hosting and she was the youngest co-host. It was all so amazing. And she just lit up the screen. And I think it was such a great, not only just beat for the campaign, but just being able to see her co-hosting an entertainment TV show with Kevin and, um, uh, yes. And Michelle, it yeah. just was one of the things that was a highlight for me. And it was a highlight in working with her and, and yeah. you on that particular campaign. Yeah. So Vanessa, you mentioned Yvette yeah. and we also had a great conversation with another sort of self-taught, amazing talent publicist, Ernest Dukes, your uh, partner across my publicist is black. Yeah. I want to talk about just of course, the inspiration for your for you all starting that initiative, 
what it means to giving back to this community of Black publicists. And John and I are down to support. Um, we talked to Ernest about a, a few things, and I just want to hear in your own words um, the importance of that initiative from you. Yeah, I mean, my publicist is Black is absolutely a thousand percent, you know, sprouted because of Ernest's love for Yvette. Uh, and, you know, at the time, I didn't actually know Ernest. I wasn't, I knew who Erica Tucker was, uh, but we didn't really have a close relationship. And I knew Felicia, um, just she had been and still is an integral part of a lot of opportunities for me over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it kind of, for me, it, it, it kind of goes back to how I was saying before, like, you know, I had a really hard time finding mentorship and where I'm at in this phase of my life and my career is I am committed to leaving the industry better than I found it. And while I can't mentor every single young woman and, you know, young man that wants, that wants me to, um, I am committed to doing that. And there has to be a place that people can go or they can reference. And even if I can't, I can't, or Ernest can't, or, you know, Yvette can't mentor, mentor them, they can still get some knowledge. They can still get resources. They can still be privy to the conversations that we're having on group text. And we're having in the corners at these events, let's give people an opportunity to hear from us and to hear our stories and, and not in a, um, what was me kind of way, but more like, this is how we were able to overcome this obstacle, or we're a lot stronger when we hold hands and work together. Uh, and I think that that is something that, you know, for me, my publicist is black was, I mean, I think it was the first step in what eventually was, you know, me buying Erica's company and her coming over and working for me. Um, we were able to build a relationship because of our connection there. Uh, and we realized, oh, we're fighting the same battles. We're, we're dealing with the same people. Uh, and also what I'm really great at is an opportunity that maybe, um, you know, well, let me say it in reverse because this is actually a better way to say it. The things that I'm trash at, she's really great at. And, you know, the maybe the areas that she needs improvement on, I'm really good at. And instead of, for her and I specifically, I think her and I were competing for the same talent, right? Competing, competing, competing. And sometimes she'd get it, sometimes I'd get it. And I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> like, we're di- we sh- we're up here dividing. We should just be conquering together. Um, and you know, my publicist is black. It's just it's such a a beautiful space. You know, we talk about life stuff in our little group chat, but I know that what it means for people who want to get in the industry and and for other people of color who work at some of the other bigger agencies. I think that it's been a place where they're like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. There's other people like this out here. Um, and like, you know, there's, you have options. You have options. That's, 
you have options and people don't know all the time that you have options. So I love my publicist is black. I'm really hoping that this year we can really like get back to doing programming. We were really on a roll uh, and then COVID was COVID. Uh, um, So I'm hoping we can figure out how to like do some more things together because it fills me as well. Like I feel, I feel great when I leave those, those, you know, those meetings or the the panels and whatnot. So. Well, you have two supporters in Didi and I for anything that you guys need. We are, we are here. We tell Ernest the same thing. Cause yes. I love, if I had a, my publicist is black when I was growing up and, and learning about PR, cause I majored in PR. So I'm one of like the few people who actually was like, I want to be a publicist. Not sure why, but I did. <laughs> and, um, but I, I would have loved to see, you could you I could mean, go full time well, publicist. Full-time. Oh, Vanessa, we got we got to talk about that over a cocktail. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love that platform. What you do and and for us, Black on the Scene is is, is similar. We want to to shine a light on on different individuals in the industry to know that you can be a Black publicist, you can be a producer, you can be a chief of staff, and all these different. Uh, areas across Black entertainment. So that was our love letter to Black entertainment and showing that representation matters. We need to be, we need to know that these people are making these decisions, doing these things at these studios, at these companies, business owners, Black female entrepreneurs, and the list goes on and on and on. So we created this platform to do that. And and I'm I'm so proud of us. It's our little COVID baby. But that's the thing, right? Is that like, use what you know, use the resources that you have and the people in your world to do something that can make a lasting impression, right? Because the truth is that this is what I've always said, right? That like, especially where I'm at in this phase in my career in the business, I'm like, look, yes, am I blessed and grateful um, for the clients that I represent a thousand percent? Don't get me wrong. But when I think about legacy and when I think about when I'm gone, right, or, you know, I think about when the Emmys and the Oscars and the Grammys, they, they do the in memoriam, right, and my photo pops up, what are people in that room, what are they going to say, right? And what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping they say is not, oh, she was Issa Rae's publicist, she was Cardi B's publicist, she was John Boyega's publicist. She was Amanda Gorman's publicist and Marseille Mark. Yes, I I love all of, I love being those things. But what I'm really hoping people say is she was a pipeline for other Black women to get into this field. She made space for us, right? She mentored, she held young women and young men's hand and brought them along the journey with her. She paid them as, but, you know, she paid them. She didn't, you know, lowball people. She did her business well. She treated people kindly. Um, But more, the biggest thing for me is she was a pipeline. She left it better than she found it. And the only way that I can do that is by talking with you guys. It's by supporting the platforms that my friends like you guys create, right? Like, amplifying those additional voices because people need to know I'm not out here by myself. There's more of us. And by the way, you can be in this industry and you don't have to do PR the same way. I didn't know that there was, this was even a job. 
there are so many other ways to be impactful in Hollywood and be impactful in the images that we see on TV, on screen, on the internet, on our phones, you know, in magazines. You don't have to be a publicist. You can be a photo editor at a magazine. You could be the booker. You could work in marketing. You could do events. You could be a chief. Like you could do so, there's so many opportunities and a lot of us just don't know that we don't know that they exist. You know, because we have been, I think, for the most part, socialized as a community to be a teacher, go into nursing, go into social work, um, you know, go into insurance, things that we, you know, go work for the government, go work, you know, for the county, you're going to get your benefits, you know, you know, like those are safe careers. And we are oftentimes our community is not encouraged to like travel down the road, you know, less traveled, like try it, try it. You may actually love it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love that you guys are doing this. I think that this is so important. I think there have been so many great things that came out of COVID. And I think that, you know, for all the ridiculousness of COVID, I think that what you guys are doing is an example of that. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm very honored that you wanted little love Vanessa to even, you know, come on and talk with you guys. Cause this is, this is important. This is important. And this lives on, you know, in the world forever. So in 10 years and 20 years, there can be some young person who's like, oh, you know what, let me learn about whatever. And, you know, this is now a resource for them to go and listen and hear and learn. So I kudos. I wish I had a drink, but kudos to y'all. Vanessa, we hope to be having that drink with you in person when we see you again. And we thank you so much, not just for spending the time with us today, knowing that things were blowing up left and right, but we thank you for your service to Black entertainment, to the community, for young Black and Brown people. Just knowing that you took a chance on yourself, that you are also giving back. And I can attest, John and I both can attest to Vanessa's Um, team of fabulous young publicists that she's mentoring and hired along the way that are that pipeline is is strong it's real we see you we love you we support you and thank you you so much thank you guys thank you Vanessa we love you thank you so much to our guests and to you for listening to this week's episode of Black on the Scene we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review Plus, share your own love letter for Black entertainment and follow us on all social media platforms at Black on the Scene. See you next time.